welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azario Flame and Sandra Von Holland. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the North Witch Podcast. On today's episode, we have Taylor Elwood, who has written a lovely new book called Walking with Elemental Spirits, and you should definitely check it out because it is fantastic. So, How's it going today, Taylor? It's going great. Thank you for having me on the show. Really happy to be here. Really happy to uh, get this opportunity to talk about the new book and also share space with both of you. Fantastic. We're happy that you decided to come on and... We're really even more happy that we got to read your book because it is absolutely great. Um, so what kind of inspired you to take this on? Because this is, uh, you know, this is approaching elemental magic in a way that you definitely don't normally see in the mainstream. You know, usually if you're going through a grimoire, you get maybe a chapter on elements if you're lucky. And this is, you know, 200 pages of gold. So what kind of inspired you to uh, bring this out and to present it to the world in this way? Well, I've been practicing magic for 29 years now, and I very I started out with elemental hermeticism and neo-shamanism and then got into a variety of other spiritual practices, but elemental magic has, has always been at the core foundation for me. And um, I and I, I started experimenting with elemental magic um, and, and taking it in some interesting directions, which we'll undoubtedly get to later uh, on the line. But what inspired me to write the book is that in the last few years, I had seen a couple books on elemental magic come out and, and they're good books. I want to be very clear about that. I, I, I respect the authors. But what I noticed is that they were all focusing on the classic five elements. And I was like, you know, yes, earth, air, fire, water, spirit, they're they're definitely there, but I felt like, you know, they're missing some stuff. They weren't touching on the Far Eastern um, elemental uh, approaches to, to work. And also I was like, you know, there's a lot more than just the five classic elements. It's time to, it's time to uh, write something and, and uh, kind of challenge the, uh, the, the narrative around this, especially since it's a 2,500 year old narrative on elemental magic that's been around for a long, long time. And some people would say, well, Taylor, if it ain't broke, uh, why, why fix it? But my answer to that would be, 
challenge what you know to discover what you can learn. And uh, that's a big part of why I decided to write it was to share the work and experiments. It just felt like the right time. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Definitely very evident that, you know, there was a lot of like the method of science that went into this of, you know, like, let's, let's try this, let's see how it works and duplicatable results. And, you know, it's uh, like, it's, it's a very refreshing take on it. Cause like you say, you, you went right through to 2,500 years ago and you really, really expounded upon a lot of things that, you know, I think a lot of us occultists take for granted in our practice and we don't really you know, explore it beyond, like I say, that first chapter, two chapters type thing that we are all, we're all given in our initial years, right? So it's very, very good. Um, so you you were just saying that you wanted to expand up beyond the five elements. Could you explain a little bit more about that for our listeners or viewers? Sure. So with, with classic elemental theory, you have earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. And uh, this was, you know, originally written about by a Greek fellow by the name of, I'm going to butcher his name, Empocleides or something like that. I, I got the name wrong. But, um, you know, and it was probably even before then being talked about because Greece was an oral culture originally. So if you think about that, you know, th this has been around for a very, very long time. And the one thing that stood out to me about it is that it hasn't changed in all that time. I mean, when you crack open a book about elemental magic or, or that chapter or two, it's always earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. And I thought to myself, you know, there's got to be more to this than that. And back in, back in 2004 was when I, when I first started to really crack this and go in a different direction. I come up with a, a ritual I called the elemental balancing ritual, where you work with an elemental force for a year to bring balance to your life. The first year I worked with water. The second year, I was like, I need to work with, with, with my voice. I want to be more assertive. I want to be more vocal. And the interesting thing about it is it was like, well, I could work with air, but air didn't feel right. Like I work with fire, fire didn't feel right. And I'm starting, you know, going through and I'm like, none of these elements feel right. There's got to be something else. And I, and I began to think about it. And I'm like, well, you know, according to the various resources I have, elements are the building blocks of life, but I would argue they all are also something primal that moves through, through us and moves us. And I thought, well, sound, sound is an element. I mean, it's, it's something that we live with and encounter. Now we could argue, well, sound occurs in air and it has to have air, but you know, and we can go past that and say, well, sound ultimately is derived from vibration. So vibration occurs whether you have air or not. So I, I, you know, what I, what I came up with was I'm going to work with sound for a year. And, you know, there was nobody around to say, well, you shouldn't do that. And even if there had been, I wouldn't have listened to him anyway. So I worked with sound for a year and I found it to be a very viable elemental force to work with. So as a result of that, I started to branch outward from the classic five elements and started working with other elements. And, and, uh, you, you know, uh, I worked with emptiness as an element. I worked with love as an element. I worked with stillness and movement. Um, I've worked, uh, lately I've been working with connection and truth. Now, some of this could be a little arbitrary and, and all, and, and, and fair enough, but I think that, you know, if, if we think of something as being a, the building block of life, if nothing else, we can say, well, look, gravity is an element. It's its own distinct thing. It's a distinct force and it's not necessarily just tied to the earth. Uh, we can say magnetism you know, electricity, other things. So that, you know, there are these, these very primal forces. So, you know, you don't even have to go in the direction that I went in with it, but you should, I, I think it's worthwhile to pay attention to the fact that we have very real physical forces that we deal with that if nothing else should be added to the elements. And then if you want to add 
stuff like stillness and movement and love and emptiness and stuff like that. Well, I don't see anything wrong with that either, but it's up to you. Great perspective. So cool. Just digging deeper, going beyond, right? It's so, you did a great job bringing that out, I think. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I I just thought it was time to challenge that and and, and and get it out there. And I had been working on it for a long time. So it was like, all right, it, you know, seeing these other books out there, nobody else is doing this. It's time mm-hmm. to, you know, bust this narrative wide open. And again, I mean, the, the works that I read and researched, and there's an extensive bibliography, are excellent works. I mean, they have some great exercises and, and things in them. So I don't want to you know, knock any of that. Um, but it's just like, but at the same time, that's where they stuck, they stuck with those classic five elements. It was like, well, that's what we've got. And there's like, well, but there's more. You just have to be willing to challenge that narrative. And we don't have to stick with something because it's 2,500 years old. In fact, we shouldn't stick with something because it's that old. We should, we should dust it off and be like, well, it's time for a change. Absolutely. I mean, we would change growth, right? Like, grow beyond that we yeah wouldn't do it that is. with anything else like i mean we we definitely move past the chariot right <laughs> and thank god we have cars now so you can always you know push that which is very evident that you did here one of the things that really stood out to me that you definitely don't see in a lot of works is your association of using the latinized vowels as connections to the five elements maybe talk about how you kind of came upon that because i i'm really used to using the vowels in you know like papyri work where we're working with the planetary forces and things like that but you know i had never really seen it presented that you could do the same thing to connect to these primal elemental forces so how did you kind of come up with that and how did you uh start implementing that well, that was derived from R.J. Stewart's work, and he actually has written a couple of books on 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 magic, uh, elemental magic, and sound, which I highly recommend um, people check out. Um, I worked with I, I've worked with him. I'm actually I've actually been a student of his. So um, it was a case where uh, you know I learned some of that from him, and then I just continued to explore and experiment with it further. And I thought that it would be good to bring that into play within the book because again, it's another way to connect with those elemental forces. And it's actually, if you think about it, like if if you're doing like a, a you know like a classic casting of the circle, and you're going into each direction, it's a great way to attune to each direction and bring in those classic elemental forces and set that space up using sound as the medium to bind it all together. Absolutely. And it definitely works. I was, I was of course playing with it as soon as I read it and it's, it's a, it's a great little technique. I, I quite enjoyed it. Well, thank you. So you also talk about uh, the difference between kind of nature spirits and the elementals. And I think that, you know, when we get presented with a lot of elemental magic kind of in the beginning parts of our careers, we, we kind of conflate, you know, the elementals as, you know, they are the sylphs or they, they are the undines or the salamanders or what have you. And you kind of you kind of break it down a little bit further than that in this book. Did, did you have anything you wanted to touch on with that? Well, I just think it's important that we that we do have a distinct understanding of the different types of spirits. Now, I will say that one thing that I find interesting with Western magic in general is that there tends to be a lot of emphasis on taxonomizing spirits, categorizing them. And, and that can be both a strength and a weakness. It's a strength on the one hand, because we know how these spirits are distinct and different from each other. And we're not just lumping and conflating them together and making them into one mass of things. 
it can be a weakness because we also sometimes tend to humanize those spirits to the point that we have very human expectations around how they're going to appear and how we're going to experience them. And we don't necessarily open ourselves up to the genuine experience. What I find is, is that when I work with nature spirits versus elementals, that, that there is a very distinct difference in how they, in, in the experience of them. For example, um, right now, one of the things I've been doing is, is working on my garden. You know, it's perfect time in Oregon to be doing that. You know, I've been working on the land, you know, weeding and then and, and, uh, my magical partner and I have been, uh, you know, picking, she's been helping me pick out plants because she's got this experienced background as an herbalist and, uh, uh, which, which she's applied to, to that with me. So, you know, we've picked out um, some of the different plants that I planted at my house. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been a case of, you know, at the same time I'm working with the land and, and part of it is working with the elemental spirits, but part of it is working with the nature spirits of that land. And it's a distinct and different feeling. And I can feel how I relate to each of them in a different way. And so I think it's important to pay attention to, to that and pay attention to the experience. And I use that word experience very purposely because, you know, a lot of times we, we get focused on spirits appearing the way that we want them to. Okay, they're going to have a visual appearance. They're going to appear in some form that's vaguely anthropomorphic. And they're going to talk to us in our language. They're going to miraculously know how to speak to us in our language and, and everything else, you know. But it's like, that's not really my, that's not really the experience that we get with spirits. A lot of times spirits show up very subtly, very uh, in, in, in a way where it's, it's you, you have to open yourself up to the experience as it is. So like if I'm working the land and and I suddenly notice, you know, the way that the wind blows across the grass or blows across the, the plants, I might pay attention to that. And like, what is happening with that wind? Now, some people would say, well, aren't you necessarily, aren't, aren't you reading too much into that? Maybe, maybe not. It's how you open yourself to the experience and what you're purposely doing at that time. If you're raising energy and you're trying to connect with stuff, well, it might, it might behoove you to pay close attention to how the spirits are communicating with you through that medium of, of, you know, the wind blowing through the grass and what that might tell you or not tell you. Absolutely. That's, that's a great way to put that. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a good reminder to, you know, not just have expectations of these spirits and how they manifest, right? You know, like lots of times when you're working with, you know, say an elemental spirit and they're trying to communicate, they most certainly are not speaking to you in English. You know, you might have a drip that starts in your tap or you might, you know, all of a sudden end up with some issues with your plumbing or whatever, you know, they have, they have very different ways of communicating than, you know, lots of Western ceremonial magicians would have you believe, right? So it's, it's very cool that you touch upon that and how to, you know, kind of connect to them more in a primal way, so to speak, right? Which is very, very nice. Now you, you do like a deep, deep dive into this. Like you're looking at Taoism and Zogchen and, you know, stuff all over the world. How did you kind of get on that journey of, you know, like exploring all of these different cultural contexts of the elements and then how did you end up finding the similarities and pulling them together? Hopefully that's not too broad of a question. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, like I told you, originally, I started out with elemental her hermeticism and neo-shamanism. And then I got into cer Western ceremonial magic and ritual magic. And then I got into chaos magic. And I also got into Doge Shin and, and also into Taoism. So I, I've studied over the years these various paths and traditions. I actively... Um, practice Qigong and, and some of the Qigong that I work is with elemental Qigong, which is really interesting because when you look at the Taoist elements, 
you know, they're really exploring how energy moves. It's different from in, in the West where we're talking about very spiritual forces. They're talking about spiritual forces too, but they're talking about how to move that energy through your body. So how does, you know, and it's interesting because earth actually takes the, the place of quintessence or spirit. It binds all the other elements together. You know, you have metal for the mind, you have wood for growth, you have fire for that, that, that fury, passionate energy, and you have water for rest and recovery, and then you have earth and it binds it all together. And that's the Taoist approach. And then with, uh, with, with Dogechen and, and also with Hinduism, you have the, you have earth, air, fire, water, but then you have space instead of, of spirit. So, you know, I, having, having done a, a fairly, uh, in-depth exploration of some of these practices over the years and actually doing these spiritual practices and, and working them. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was like really important. Okay. I'm writing this book on elemental magic. Well, let's, let's portray the whole thing. Let's look at just some other different perspectives outside just the, the five Western elements, because again, most of the books out there just tend to focus on that, but there are these other esoteric practices that are just as important and they've been shared with us. I mean, this isn't a case of cultural appropriation or anything like that. They, they have actually been culturally shared with us. So I think it's worthwhile to look at them in that context because of the fact that they've been shared. For sure. You're looking like you got a question there, Mark. I do, there, you could tell, <laughs> thank you. I didn't want to butt in last time, but before you ask this question, I was stuck in your garden. So, when you, like you say, when the you're in the garden and you feel the wind go through or you see it, you notice it with the grasses and such. So do you feel like you have to have the intention there when you're in the garden or you're just running out to grab those chives, running back in to make the salad and there's stuff happening? Like, is it, my, I guess my question is, do you have to go and be and ready for intention to be receiving or... Do they just, you just can receive at any time. Does that make sense? I think you can receive at any time. I do think it depends on how psychically sensitive you are. And it's also easy when you're distracted and focused on other things to block stuff out when they're trying to send messages your way. Let's just be frank. Yeah. Whereas, well, maybe not frank, but you get the point. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to block that out. Whereas if you're going with intention, there's definitely something to be said for being there. What, what I find, at least my own approach, is that when I'm going out and I'm gardening and I'm working on stuff, I'm very much opening myself up to the land and to, to the spirits and however they end up showing up. Whereas if I'm just going out to grab like some of those chives or whatever for food, yeah, something might show up. And, I, and if I'm paying close attention to the omens and paying attention to the synchronicities, I may notice it. But if I'm distracted because I'm thinking about that phone call that I had or the argument that I had or something else going on, I may not notice it. And so, so yes, it can happen. I just think I just think that, you know, people naturally get really busy with their lives and it's, you know, the best the best thing to do then is like try to maintain that awareness, but also accept that sometimes you may not notice things, whereas if you go very purposefully and it's not like you have to do a full blown ritual before you go out into the garden, but just I'm out here gardening and this is my time to connect with the spirits, you're definitely going to pick up on stuff. Right. And, and maybe live a little bit more intentionally, a little bit more. Um, maybe if we practice more and the more those of us who put it into our daily lives perhaps are a little bit more open because we are practicing every day and open to it always, perhaps, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think so. You know, if you're practicing every day, you're definitely going to be more open to it. I certainly have been. You know, I mean, I do I do daily magical work 
I do magical work during my lunch break and when I'm at work and I do daily, I do it in the morning and, you know, I, I usually end up doing some stuff in the evening. So I th definitely think the more steeped you are in it, the more you open yourself up to those experiences. If you're somebody who only does it on occasion, eh, you know, doesn't just doesn't work as well. For sure. And, you know, that's you give lots of different exercises and everything in here for, you know, opening yourself up to these subtle forces, because really that's what they are. They're, they're very subtle primal forces that we're, you know, we have to actually train ourselves to perceive. Um, do you have any tips, tricks or techniques that you would like to share with our readers today or listeners for how they might uh, want to start beginning to open themselves up to that subtle current? Well, one thing I'm going to say is if you buy a book, regardless of what book it is, work the book. I don't mean just read it. I mean, actively work it. Spend some time doing the exercises and the practices. Not all of us have the fortune of being able to work with somebody who can teach us. I didn't. I self-taught myself magic uh, for most, you know, and didn't really start working with the teachers that I was working, that I've been working with until like the last decade, as an example, um, you know. Uh, so I think, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you're not going to find your teacher, people that you can work with in person or virtually even until later in life. So if you get, if you're buying books, read those books and really work the exercises, but also don't be afraid to challenge them. I mean, I think that when I first started out, I spent a good year just reading the books that I was reading at the time and learning them and practicing them. And then I started asking myself some questions around what I could do differently with those exercises. And I started experimenting. So I think that helps. The other, thing, the other thing I would just say is, again, and this is, this is something that can't be emphasized enough, work on cultivating your senses, the five, the five senses, of course, but also the psychic senses, because we have actually a lot more than just sight, sound, taste, smell, and touch. We also have you know, our intuition as a sense. We have the kinesthetic awareness. We have temperature. We have other things. Really learn to work those. A lot of times I think people underemphasize them. Oh, you know, that's not, that's not all that interesting. But it takes real discipline to stay and focus on that because it actually is what teaches you how to open yourself up. And if you spend a good solid year, and yes, I'm really advocating for a year here, working on those senses and cultivating them and really learning to recognize these things, you will get so much further with your magical practice than if you just breeze by it and you're like, yeah, that's kind of interesting, but I want to move on to the more interesting stuff. Well, the more interesting stuff really becomes interesting when you cultivate your awareness. That's great advice. <laughs> I love that. And building the trust of your intuition. I think that's a huge, huge part of it. Because we we have it, but we never we don't trust it. It takes a long time to trust that it's there, that it's something feasible. Yeah, that's very much the case. So you cover a ton in this book, and of course, one of the things that jumps out at me is doing healing with it. So what what kind of stuff did you look into with energetic healing? Obviously, you looked into you know some Chinese stuff with the qigong and whatever. What where did you kind of go for your uh, sources for the healing? And you know, kind of in a nutshell, what did you come up with for you know how to use the elements to you know heal yourself in mind, body, and spirit type thing? Well, um, I, I got into energy work in my late teens, early 20s. Um, I read a really good book called Barbara Ann Brennan's uh, Hands of Light. And, uh, you know, she does a really good job of, of laying out energy work. And I, so I started exploring it. 
And as I did, that's when I started applying elemental magic toward it. Because of course, as I said, I've been practicing elemental magic all that time. And it made sense to me that you could apply the elements in different ways that, you know, like, let's say you were feeling, uh, you know, a sense of inflammation that you could work with the water energy to reduce some of that, you know, work with the water element. Or if you were feeling sluggish and lethargic, you could work with the fire energy to raise your, your thing. So I think, you know, if you look at a given element, and, and this applies to the non-traditional elements as well, you can look at how you can work them into your life for healing and for other purposes. Like let's say magnetism, you can use magnetism for both attraction and repulsion, you know, cause magnets both attract and repel. So you could use magnetism for protection magic, but you could also use it for love magic. You could use it for, uh, and you could use it for healing purposes. You know, there, there's actually, uh, uh, you know, Anton uh, Mesmer with mesmerism actually explored magnetism as well and one of the things he noted was how the electro how you know the human body had an electromagnetic field and how different you know people when they were in proximity to each other how that would affect each other so i think you know if you you look at that kind of stuff you can pay you can explore that and apply it it, it really comes right down to experience you know learning what the element is and how it works and then asking yourself how you would apply that to energetic healing and then start start experimenting with it of course, you want to do that carefully. I mean, you know, if you're working with other people, I don't recommend doing that until you have a good solid understanding of how you would apply it to yourself. And also keep in mind that different people have different elemental and energetic sensibilities, which may or may not play a role in that as well. For sure. And do you find um, that you have found a way to kind of figure that out? Like I know if you say do somebody's birth chart with their horoscope or whatever you can kind of see energetic alignments and a little bit of balance but you can really go a lot beyond that for looking into it did you put any tips or tricks for that in the book for people to kind of figure out their own elemental build and how to work with that I mean part part of that I would say is that you're when you're when you're going through the book or, or just in general is pay close attention to the elements that you seem to resonate the most with Pay attention to the personality traits that you have. And then, you know, as you get to know somebody else, pay attention to their personality traits and to the elements they seem to resonate with and then work with that. Feel into it. Um, and, then, and then, you know, start to work with that element and get a sense as to whether or not that really resonates with you. A lot of these things really just, a lot of it really just comes right down to the fact that you have to build a relationship. And that relationship is something that's going to take time to cultivate. It's not going to happen like that. You know, we, we live in a, we live in a society where we, we get fixated on, you know, the push button approach to everything, magic, technology. But as I've, I pointed out sometimes to, uh, to at my, at my day job, uh, you know, if you push a button right away, that doesn't make things happen. It takes at least a few seconds. It may seem instantaneous, but it takes time. There's always processes going on in the background. Well, it's the same thing with the elemental forces. If you want to work with a given element, you've got to get to, you have to get to know it. You have to build a relationship with it and learn how to work with it. And that's just going to take time. One thing that I would recommend is if somebody wants to do that is, is, and is reading my book is check out the elemental balancing ritual, because that's a great way to get to know the element on a wide variety of different levels. I mean, it's going to help you with internal work, but it's also going to help you get to know the, the energetic aspects of that element and learn how to work with it. Very good description. I, I love that. One thing that really stood out to me is um, your intersection of space time as elements. How did you kind of come up with that? And what is, uh, 
how, do, how would you explain that to kind of someone who's new to it? Because it was, it was a very interesting concept when I started reading it. Well, one of the systems of magic that I've developed uh, a long time ago is uh, space-time magic. I've continually been refining it and developing it. And so the elements kind of made that, that chapter was really about the elemental aspects of space and time, because I do think that space and time are very much elemental forces that we deal with. Uh, you know, they're present in everything. They're, they're things that we, that we encounter. And of course, in, in some cultures, space is treated as an actual element. In Western culture, it's not. But so, you know, for, for me, that, that it made sense that if, if we're going to treat space as an element in any kind of culture, that we could potentially work with it that way in general. And then time also made sense because we're dealing with time all the, all the time. I mean, we are always dealing with time. Um, so some of it was an extension of the existing work that I have around space-time magic and how to work with space and time as, as distinct elements and variables in magical work, you know, in order to help you get results or to do internal work or things like that. And part of it was also just this, this deep dive exploration that I've been doing around space and time by reading up on temporal studies and, and spatial studies. Like one of the books I've been, I just finished reading was called, uh, the process of creating life and it's this book about architectural design and it explores how to bring life to space to a given space and how to design a home around space it was a really fascinating in-depth book that blew my mind in terms of just you know being aware of how space can be shaped and worked with and how to feel into the center of a space and build other centers around that in order to create a very organic space no matter where you're at and so i think that you know, you know when you you also step outside of occult disciplines and look at some of the other disciplines that are out there and what they have to say about some of these topics, it can really expand your mind and help you learn a lot more about how to work with space and time uh, or other things for that matter. Yeah, for sure. So have you, have you kind of found that you are able to um, then use the elemental practice uh, as presented here to kind of manipulate your space and time like I, I know there are magical practices for you know for example working with the hore you know, the greek myths you can use them to kind of work on your time frame you can you know shorten things up speed things up that kind of thing have you found effective practices for that with this um, I have found some effective practices for it, both with the mm -hmm. elemental aspects of it and then with my own um, magical work around it that, that I've developed. So there definitely is a way to do that. I mean, with space, part of it is really about setting up the space to, to, to set up the navigation of, of energies, but also part of it is looking at space as, I like to apply English language here, uh, you know, as a noun. And what do you want to bring into that space? So treating space as an identity. How do I shift from one identity to another? Well, part of that is through time. And you can use time as the action or the verb to bring that kind of change. And as an elemental force, it'll, it'll also introduce other variables that can influence the identity and the shape of a given experience and allow you to transform your identity with that experience as well. You had another one there, Ma. <laughs> no, it's just so you fascinating. Are, you are just allowed to interrupt. Go, it's go, okay. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, just with setting up the space, and of course, we're setting up our new store, so I'm like, oh, we need to put all this in. We need you to come and say, put it this way. It's all. <laughs> yeah. I was, so I went I went a little when you're doing the, the space situation. I was like, okay, we need to feng shui this and use all the elements and 
Oh, sorry, my it just triggered a whole bunch going on. <laughs> don't be don't be sorry for that. That's great. I, I like it when I get people thinking that's a good thing. That's that's totally. what it's all about. Right? It just keeps going. It's like, oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm I'm writing notes even as in I'm scrolling your book and listening, and it's good. It's so good. <laughs> So one cool thing too that you uh, talk about in this book that I, I, I think people don't really realize that you can do it until somebody tells them. So I'd like to cover it a little bit is, you know, the combination of elements, you know, like working with water and air together and how to, you know, leverage that for your sorceress gain. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about elemental mixing and, you know, kind of what, what the, what would make you want to mix an element and why? Sure. Uh, well, you definitely can mix elements together. And I think the reason why you might is because of how those elements will work together uh, and inform each other and how they'll strengthen uh, a given magical work. You know, some people think that fire and water will automatically cancel each other out, but that's not necessarily so. You can bring them together and work with them together. One example from my book, and this is a, a non-classic example, is that I mixed element, um, the elements of gravity and magnetism together for a wealth magic working. So I have uh, these two magnets that I have hung upside down on a metal on a metal bar and then from them I have metal balls hanging down so that the gravity is grabbing those metal balls and the magnetism is keeping them aloft at the same time and it creates this attraction principle that I use for wealth magic where the idea is really to help attract you know attract and draw in opportunities and for wealth um, uh, you know book sales stock investments, all that other stuff. And I use that as a way to help me um, do that kind of thing. And it's using those elemental forces and my understanding of those elemental forces. So that's an example right there. Um, you know, you can, you know, but you could combine like, you could combine, you know, the classic elements in the same way. So it, it's really just a matter of, again, developing that relationship and thinking, how would I apply these together? What could I use them for to help me? Uh, and, and I think that that's very reasonable and possible. It's just a matter of, of getting creative. For sure. I, I love that. That's, that's great. Um, and, you know, we've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but you, you definitely touch on it a few times in the book to kind of drive the point home. And so I'd like to touch on it a few times here to drive it home is, um, you know, a lot of people do conflate the elementals with, you know, like the fae or the fair folk or, you know, the actual elemental creatures themselves. But you're, you really, really push in the book that it's, you know, that they're more kind of the primal building block. So how, how would you kind of instruct somebody to start beginning to notice those subtle key differences in that because you know like a lot of times if somebody is doing say fairy witchcraft or whatever they they really begin to represent that element in their mind as you know maybe that fair folk that comes or whatever how do you how do you how did you find the big divide there and how would you kind of tell people to start noticing those subtle key differences one thing i would say is that with with the fairy that they're shapeshifters, you know, they'll assume the shape that like, they'll assume the shape that, that they, that you kind of, that they think you want, or that you've kind of put put out there. And I think that's worth noting uh, and paying close attention to, because that can in and of itself play a role in how people connect with a spirit. The other thing I would say, one thing that really helped me was working with the elements through like the hermetic symbols. 
um, and, and using that as a way to connect with them. And so using, you know, we have these classic hermetic symbols and I actually came up with symbols for the non-classic elements as well, which I did share some in the book. And you can use, you know, you could come up with, with similar ones. And I think that would be a great way to work with the elemental spirits and to separate that out from working with uh, the nature spirits. And then with the nature spirits, it's, it, again, I, I think part of it is stepping away from the, anthropomorph the anthropomorphizing of them. I mean, that's very easy to do. We do it with all kinds of spirits, but I think it's worthwhile to step away from that and open yourself to the experience. And part of that, again, goes back to cultivating those senses, um, cultivating that awareness. Uh, there's a couple of really good books um, by David Abram that I would re really recommend reading. Um, the um, let me go get them real quick because then that way I can just read the sure. things in that way. Yeah, I, they're in the they're in the bibliography, but I'll read them out loud. This will be a good cut section for you. You can you could do a jig in this one. <laughs> All right, I'm back. So you know, um, I would recommend um, the Spell of the Sensuous and Becoming Animal by David Abram. Um, these are really good books. Probably not going to really be able to see them with the light, but they're really good books to read because they explore this concept of experiential awareness with spirits, and they show how we have divorced ourselves from that because of language and because of our need to anthropomorphize spirits. And so I think, and, and I've spoken about that in some of my other works, like my book, Walking with Spirits, which is the book that came before the Walking with Elements. I actually talked about that quite a bit, but I think it's really important that, um, you know, we recognize that fundamentally spirits are, you know, when we anthropomorphize them, we filter them and we filter them in a way that's convenient for us. But what we, we leave out a lot that, that we could be experiencing, we leave, we leave out a richness and a depth. And we do that because we're trying to, we're, I, I think because people are trying to do it because they want that human comfort and safety, if you will. But Sometimes you have to put yourself out there and be willing to meet them on their terms and on their turf. And I think that if you applied that, like with the nature spirits and stuff, they might not appear as, you know, the, 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 and, 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 you know, the classic fairy forms that you expect, but they might, they'll still nonetheless appear in a way that is meaningful and rich and might actually lead you to a deeper relationship with them. And at the same time, make that distinction even more apparent between how they show up and how the elemental forces show up. That's great. I love that. Yeah, like you literally did such a deep dive on this book. It's, you know, there's so much we could talk about for hours and hours on this subject. And it's, it is actually one of my favorite subjects. So it's, I just want to say good job because, you know, you, you've taken a lot of concepts that, you know, it's taken me 20 years to kind of put together and you've really just pushed it in, into a lovely little book that, you know, pulls all of these things together. And I absolutely appreciate the, you know, cross-cultural context that you put into it, because that's something that a lot of people get, they, you know, they get stuck in that box, right? You know, you know I'm, I'm a Wiccan, so this is how the elements are, and this is how the only way that they can be. Or, you know, I, I do Thelema, and this is the only way that the elements work on the tree of life. And, you know, I, I really like that you were able to 
kind of really presented in a way that, you know, you make people want to get out of that box. They want to try the multiple different ways of doing things and, you know, not be so stuck in their ways. Um, and the research for that certainly, certainly shows. So do you have any um, tips, tricks, techniques, ideas for people to kind of start breaking that mold, so to speak? You know, like maybe if perhaps if somebody is new or if somebody's, you know, they've kind of practiced the same way for, you know, the last 20 years. Well, whether you're new or you've practiced for the same way for a long time, the first thing you can do to break that is to start asking questions why are these techniques presented in this way? And what would it be like if I did something differently? What can I strip away? What can I add in? What can I do differently? You know, questioning what you do and why you do it is the best tip and trick I can give to you. And the reason why is because it invites you to be curious and to experiment with magic. You know, I came to magic. I was a born again Christian at the time I got into magic, believe it or not. But I came into it because I felt a fundamental dissatisfaction with the fact that, you know, here were all these answers were supposed to be in this one book that was supposed to. And, and of course, there wasn't. And there was so much out there and there was so and, and, and I'm an insatiably curious person. I mean, I, I love re, I love exploring things and, and going and doing these kinds of deep dives. Um, but part of that is because I like to test stuff out thoroughly. I'm doing a lot of work right now with uh, demonic spirits, for example, and that'll definitely be uh, a, a future book. Um, you know, my, my magical partner and I are both doing this work and it's, it's very in-depth work that we're doing and we're exploring different perspectives outside of our own as well as just going in there. And it's interesting because she's relatively new to it, whereas I've been practicing it for I've been practicing it for a while. So we're both bringing an awareness to that work that, that's coming from different angles, but we're both asking questions. And that's what's really helping us to experiment and blow things open for both of us, because we're not just we're not sticking with what we know or don't know. We're exploring it and asking questions. And that's the best tip is ask questions. Start asking yourself, what is essential? Why? Ask yourself, why did somebody write this particular magical working or this caution this way? And, and, and what could I do to change that? Or what could I do to test that? And of course, I mean, some people will say, well, you know, oh, you know, if you're not supposed to do something, then don't do it. But my response to that is the best way to learn is sometimes to do what you're not supposed to do because you will learn something from it. And yes, you may not have always the best experiences, but people are too quick to try and keep things safe and cautious. And magic isn't about being safe and cautious. Magic is about opening yourself up to the mysteries of the universe. And you know, what comes with mystery, but a bit of fear, a bit of danger, but yes, also rewards, you know, the opportunity to grow and discover and learn. So that, that would be my, that would really be the tip I would leave. I mean, I could give you other tips, but I think that that's the best tip that I can possibly give is ask questions and challenge what you know, because that is the best way to learn how to practice magic and really how to live life. Totally. I think you just opened it up, like just, just go do it. It's almost like you've given permission in this book to say, no, there's way more. Go look for more. Well, that's always the goal with all my books. I mean, I try to, you know, with every book that I've written, one of the things I've, I've, I, I put in there is don't take my word for it. Treat it with a lick of salt and find out for yourself. You know, don't, don't treat me as the authority because each person is their own ultimate authority. And this isn't said enough, but it should be is that, you know, each person is their own 
ultimate spiritual authority. You know, I, I don't I don't mind if people come and ask me questions or stuff like that, but a lot of times my answer really is, well, just go out there and do it and find out for yourself because I can give you my answer, but my answer is not necessarily going to be the same answer as yours. And the best way for you to discover something, if you have a question, is to answer it yourself. Right. Go try it. See what happens. <laughs> can't agree with that enough. You know, and I, I love that, you know, you kind of start off with, you know, this is where the Western correspondence has come from. And, you know, it comes out of the Greco islands. And this is kind of why, why we have, you know, North equals Earth, so to speak, and everything goes on. And I... I loved that you kind of just said try it this way try it this way try it this way and you gave so many more options because you know like if, if you look at the way elements are presented in the world you know in tibet they're a completely different organization with the same five elements for the most part if you look at you know the shaman shamanistic cultures of the tungus people it's completely different in their setup if you look at how it was done in native american cultures and south american cultures that it, it's completely different setup with the same elements so it's you know it, it really starts showing people that you know you don't have to have north equals earth perhaps in your locale you know, like for us here in Canada, north is very much for me, the icy cold north wind, right? So it, to try and call from that gate is a totally different experience than, you know, say somebody in Australia would be that could very much be their southern gate, right? So it's I, I love that you kind of give people the permission and the I, the idea to explore these different amalgamations. And I, th I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that you kind of have to get curious with that and start playing with different things and, you know, be afraid to get burnt by fire once in a while, or, or sorry, not be afraid to get burnt by fire once in a while, because sometimes touching the stove is the fastest, quickest way to learn that it's hot, right? <laughs> that it is. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I think people need to give themselves permission more to do that. It's too easy to get comfortable with what you know. The problem with getting comfortable with what you know is what you don't know. What are you leaving out of that equation? What aren't you discovering? And, and I mean, I, I, you know, I would say that a lot of the available books out there on magic stick with what is known because it's easy and it's, and hey, it's a great way to sell books and all that other stuff. And I, I mean, but, but, you know, we have to be willing to go beyond that. We, we need to, we need to, we need to go more in depth and have more advanced work and have explorations of things like this and break stuff open. You know, we need, we need for magic to evolve. Uh, it needs to stay relevant. You know, when we're, when we're sticking with stuff because it's, it's been there for 2,500 years and it works, well, okay, that's great. But, you know, why, why are we doing that? There is so much more. And I, I mean, I really hope that if anything, that what this book will inspire is other people to go out there and push the elemental magic stuff into even further directions. I mean, I know I have a, a project in mind for down the line that I want to work on as a result of a question that somebody asked that I was like, oh, that's a really cool question. I'm going to have to work that work on that project, you know, uh, and, and work on that idea and see what comes of it. So I think, you know, there's it's when people ask questions and, and explore things and challenge what's known that we really begin to discover where we can take things. And I'm not saying that we should discard everything that's come before, because if anything, you have to have a grounding in what came before. I mean, you know, you've read the book, it's very well researched. Well, why is that? Because I have that grounding, both in practice and in doing the research 
And so that's why I could take it in the directions that it went. If somebody's just starting out, they're not going to be able to take it in those directions because they don't know what they don't know. And if you don't already have a base knowledge, it's going to be hard. So you have to respect, you have to respect the knowledge and respect what has already been there, but you can, can also challenge that. And there's nothing wrong with challenging something and still respecting it. If anything, I think it's the highest form of respect. Absolutely. And kind of, you know, taking the method of modern science, right? Like we, we know that things are the way that they are, but we're always pushing the envelope. We're always trying to, you know, figure out the next new discovery. And I, I don't think that there's any reason to not treat magic the same, you know, like we, we know how disease and virology works because of things that were done, you know, a hundred years ago, but we're still you know, developing new things, we're developing new vaccines, we're, you know, we're developing AI to fix people who've had strokes in their brain, you know, things that would have been witchcraft and sorcery 100 years ago are now commonplace things. And that wouldn't be if people didn't continue to push the envelope. And I think that's something that we don't see often enough in the magic circles, you know, like we, we see it everywhere else in our daily lives, like we have come so far in the last 20 years alone, technologically wise, why wouldn't we want to do the same with magic and why wouldn't we want to push that envelope and like you say we're it, that doesn't mean that we're you know not respecting the things that came before we're just expounding upon them and you know doing deeper dives so i i, I really really respect that approach with this and it was you know like i say this is a really really refreshing read you presented so many ideas so concisely um I, I can't recommend this book enough for, you know, anybody that is either both seasoned or new, because you've really hit both sides of that. And it's, you know, very, very nice, but it's a nice thing to see. Well, thank you. I'm really deeply honored by that. I'm, I'm glad that, um, that you've enjoyed it. Definitely check out some of my other books if you've enjoyed it. I think you'll <laughs> oh, find I absolutely. I didn't realize death. there was such a library of you. So that's incredible. And obviously more, to come out so oh yeah 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 I, I i just fair warning i've also written a fair amount of fiction so <laughs> <laughs> you like zombie nice. apocalypses you'll love the fiction <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome i'm just seeing here at the end here it says that working with the to put it with a periodic table of elements that's an interesting concept yeah, that's actually one of the projects that I'm going to be working on here uh, pretty soon is, is is developing a grimoire for working with the periodic table of elements. I've done something similar where I uh, I ended up doing a kind of a grimoire for working with uh, the hormones and neurotransmitters of the body and working with them um, spiritually. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's so I'm going to do the same thing with that and see where it takes me. I look forward to that. I love it. It's so up my alley to, you know, jump out of that box that it's it, like, like I say, it was a really refreshing take because you don't, you don't often see this in modern occultism. People are, you know, they're stuck in the same hundred books that we've all used for the last 25, 30, 40 years. And it, things just don't seem to be moving the way that any other aspect of, you know, worldly life does. And it's so awesome to see somebody taking this and going, Hey, no, like, let's, let's push this. Let's what, what is that? We know that this is the base what's beyond that. And it, it you know, I, I love that there's that push there. Thank you. Yeah. That, that has been the thrust of my work all along and it, it's going to continue to be for as long as I'm around. <laughs> 
And so with all of your knowledge and all of your pushing of the envelope, uh, do you offer courses in all of this? And if you do, what kind and where and where do they find you? It's so I do offer I do offer classes. Um, if you go to my website, magicalexperiments.com, you'll see a, a thing there for Magical Experiments University, which leads to a teachable site. And I have a bunch of mini courses as well as a larger course. And I'm going to be coming out with more lengthier courses as well as time goes on. Um, and then I'm also going to be teaching through the Blackthorn School. <clears throat> I'm going to be teaching a class on the inner alchemy of wintering. Um, which is really just about how to recover from spiritual burnout. Um, I, that was another book that came out this earlier this year where I talked to, talked about that particular topic again, because nobody's really written about that. And it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, so, so you can definitely uh, check out classes there. And then of course you can also find all my, all my magical books on my website or going to various sites um, as well. And I definitely recommend that if you're, you know, wanting to step outside the box, you'll definitely get that. I love that you have stepped way outside the box and just, you've kind of blown it open. So love it. But Thank at the do. same time, like you say, you still have that full respect for, you know, the original knowledge and systems. And it's very apparent that, you know, absolutely, that, that is a foundation is there. Foundational stepping stone. Yeah. You, you can't experiment without having that foundation there. You know, that's, that's the thing, you know, I, I mean, I, I would say that's one of the critical weaknesses of chaos magic. And I don't identify as a chaos magician. Some people identify me as that, but I don't. Um, but it's one of the critical weaknesses where it's like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to go and do anything, but we don't necessarily have the grounding. Well, experimenting without the grounding is not going to get you very far. You have to have that grounding. You have to be willing to go in depth. And some chaos magicians do. I'm not saying that's true about all of them, but I do see a lot of that 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 lack of discipline and sloppy, sloppy approach to magic coming over because it isn't always as well researched or developed as it could be. And that's totally fair. And I mean, we wouldn't do that with anything else. I mean, if you want to compose a masterpiece of music, you definitely need to know the original theory, right? You can't just buy a piano one day and, you know, bang out a concerto. <laughs> so, you know, we, you definitely have to approach mysticism and magic from kind of the same type of principle that you would with anything else. You, it, you need to know all of the things like a master in order to break them, right? It just kind of is the way that it works. Yeah, exactly. Now the bonus chapter, what is social media magic? Yeah, so, uh, you know, that is another topic I'm going to be writing about. Um, so that was just the first chapter of that book. It's a little bit rough, um, so it'll probably be refined by the time it comes out. And yeah. now working on it right now, I'm currently working on fiction. I, I always take a break after these books on magic because I go so in-depth and fiction is kind of my way of letting my brain relax a bit. So, um, but it is definitely a topic that I'm going to be writing about and I have another book of magic that's that's baking away in the background as well. So <laughs> lots of lots of stuff. I also, also, I, I, I you know, I wanted, uh, I didn't write the this chapter, but there was a chapter in the book on alchemy and magic that was written by my magical partner, which was really cool to see, um, you know, because she's a laboratory alchemist. So, I thought, I thought it was really fascinating because it explored how the elements are applied to alchemical work. And I think that that's something where you could expand beyond that. Not having enough experience with laboratory alchemy, I have no idea how that would work just yet, but someday I hope to. I love that you just have, or you're just going. It's always going. It's, 
It is, you know, it all, it always is. I mean, I, uh, I'm a very creative person. I, I definitely, I'm trying to always think of different things, working on different stuff. There's always stuff that's baking in the background as it were. So even when I'm working on my fiction, I'm all, also working on things magically and the social media magic book, when it comes out, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> we look forward to it. So, oh, this has just been great. I just, you've got, a, I love it when our guests make everything else start going, oh, what about, what about? So it's, it's been fantastic. Well, thank you. And I think that your, your attitude really plays along well with your new idea that's coming because, you know, like uh, we were talking with uh, another guest and, you know, we were saying a lot of this magic that we do, it, it hasn't evolved quite enough with our times, you know, like, so we used to do, for example, magical cash boxes. Well, how many of us actually carry cash anymore and put cash in the cash box? And, you know, so you have to get outside of the cash box and start figuring out how do you enchant the digital age? How do you enchant crypto? How do you enchant your bank account and your online banking? And, you know, there's so much that can be, you know, jumped into there. And it's very, very cool to see that you're, you're pushing into this modern age with the magic. Yeah, well, uh, I think it's absolutely essential. You know, the first, the first solo book I wrote is actually titled Pop Culture Magic, and it was all about integrating modern pop culture with magical practices. And, you know, I think that, that you know, pop culture is modern mythology. Why wouldn't we work with that? Well, it's the same thing with modern technology. And there are some books out there on technomancy. There's a guy who's doing some really interesting work with AI and magic. Um, there's a book by uh, another author that's on techno that's called Techno Witch, which explores some of the technomancy stuff as well. So, I mean, there's there is some stuff out there, but we definitely need more. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the best way to do that is to really explore the intersection between modern technology and magic and where it can go. And that's part of what the social media magic is going to be about. It's, it's a continuation of my work with the pop culture magic series. And I, I think that's, you know, a work that everybody should look forward to because how much of our day is now consumed with social media, you know, that is, that is our everyday life now. That's where most, a lot of people that we know don't even really live in the real world anymore. You know, they, no, they're, they're live in all, a digital world, <laughs> yeah, all their friends, all their, their job, everything is all online now. Right. Especially with the last three years with COVID here, you know, so many more people have been removed from regular society and live in their living room on the computer. Right. So definitely looking forward to that. I think that's a wonderful way to start pushing the envelope. So this has been absolutely great and we loved having you on and looking forward to your new book coming out. Um, so for our listeners, check out Walking with Elemental Spirits by Taylor Elwood. Um, is, is it released already or is this going to be published? It's already published. Yep. It's already awesome. available. And then just at magicalexperiments.com, you'll be able to find all of the wonderful links for Taylor there. Yeah. And there's a lot there. There's a lot of content you have. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm always putting something out. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. This has been brilliant meeting you and your perspectives. I absolutely enjoy it. And it's been great. Well, thank you. And I hope to be back on your show again someday. Absolutely. We will. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once so I catch up to all the that you already have, then we'll figure out what's to come. I could take you a while. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be a little minute. I'll be a minute or two for sure. 
but <laughs> fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in today. This has been another exciting episode of the Northwich podcast, and we will see you in the next one. Thank you.